You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, your pal in the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, the show is going to be all about the left tackle position. There is a very interesting question that we kind of have to talk about. It was one of the questions in the mailbag yesterday. I kind of deferred because I wanted to talk about it in a a different episode. And this is that episode. So we are going to talk about Riley Reef. And what do we do with with Riley Reef, his $13 million cap hit, Ezra Cleveland, a second round draft pick, left tackle playing at right guard? How does that work? Is he actually better at left tackle? Did he play well enough at right guard to stay there? There's a lot of questions that we kind of need to answer. So I spent all day watching Ezra Cleveland tape, and uh, I, I think I've, I can at least help you sort it out for yourself, depending on the importance you place on certain things. So that's going to be kind of where things go today. But to kind of make the decision about Riley Reef versus Ezra Cleveland, I think first we should probably talk about the options with Riley Reef because really what we're driving at here is we're trying to solve a problem. That problem being Riley Reef is too expensive. Right now, the Vikings are spending $13 million or are slated to spend $13 million on the left tackle position. Now, that's actually only 11th highest in the league. So there is, of course, the option of just doing that. And then that's fine. And if you need extra cap space, you find it elsewhere, right? That I don't think is very likely to be the optimal uh, choice here, but it is one that the Vi- that is certainly available to the Vikings. Um, there, there is no uh, directive that like they, there's no mandate here. They don't have to do something with this. But if they wanted to do something with this, and I'm sure a lot of you do, there are also a number of options, right? I think one of my favorites is actually an extension, which sounds weird on its surface, right? Well, you've got this player who's too expensive that we have to think about, like trading or cutting or doing something. Hey, you want to extend him? You want more of this nightmare? Well, no. The thing about an extension is it is an opportunity to do some kind of sly accounting stuff that can actually make those cap hits go down while also locking in a player like Riley Reef, who's pretty good. He had a good year in 2020. I think we have to all agree on that first, right? If you don't agree that Riley Reef had a good year in 2020, I definitely would disagree with you. But if you're in that camp, then I think this whole thing would fall apart. Um, but I do think Riley Reef had a good year in 2020. And I think the idea of keeping him in the building is on the surface, no other context, a good one. And the draw of Ezra Cleveland instead of that is that Ezra Cleveland can play just as well, but would be cheaper, and therefore that's optimal. But the idea of Riley Reef as your left tackle is a pretty good idea, and I'd be in favor of committing to more of that. Now, he's 32, which might actually deflate his his price a little bit, but I don't think his play would be diminished enough to uh, completely like make this a bad idea, right? Like I still think he'd be able to play well enough to be worth extending, but it could lower the price on you a little bit, which is pretty nice. It's kind of like refinancing your house with a better interest rate, right? So you could do something like right now his uh, salary, is his cap hit is I think there's like 2 million in signing bonus from last time, uh, 
prorated bonus that the Vikings are just on the hook for no matter what. Um, then there's a $5 million roster bonus and I think like six and a half million of base salary. So you could take five of that base salary, most of that base salary, and convert it into another signing bonus uh, as part of a two-year extension. So it would be spread across this year and those two years uh, and you'd have a bunch of signing bonus. I actually think I did a $6 million signing bonus to make the math easy. So you'd have a $2 million extra uh, or two, a $2 million hit in each year and then you could take um, his his roster bonus and turn it into guarantee, fully guaranteed salary. So Riley Reef would like that idea. He's basically getting a cash advance and he's getting a, a, what used to be a roster bonus where they could cut you the day before camp. You wouldn't see any money uh, and actually turn that into guaranteed salary and also tack extra years on top of that at $8 million of base salary per year. So he would go and have like a $10 million cap hit. I think that's fair considering age and stuff. It's much lower than market rate, but you're also kind of saying, okay, this is the... We aren't sure if you're going to kind of age out and start and your play is going to start declining. You could work in incentives or something if you wanted to, but I was kind of trying to keep it simple. That is a quick and dirty uh, extension. Obviously, there's a lot more workout bonuses and stuff, and there's a lot more kind of fine tuning that real NFL contracts have. But that's like a quick and dirty one that I drew up just to kind of illustrate that you could use an extension to sort of uh, soften his cap hit this year, kick a little bit of that can down the road into a year that isn't affected by COVID restrictions. And uh, you probably can borrow a little bit from like 2023. There's also the just cut and trade option. I hate the cut option. I don't think cutting Riley Reef I would prefer over basically any other option. I'd rather keep him than cut him. I'd rather extend him than cut him. I'd of course I'd rather trade him than cut him, you know, at least get a draft pick back. Um I I think cutting him outright is for me the worst case scenario. But if you did that, you would save $11.5 million in cap, and then you basically have to say, okay, can Riley Reef be replaced with what the Vikings have on the roster and $11.5 million in cap, right? And the idea would be you'd move Ezra Cleveland over to left tackle. You'd probably have to feel pretty good about Ezra Cleveland being as good or better than Riley Reef at left tackle, which is a tall order, but I do think he would be close enough that you can get into the ballpark of justifying that. And then you basically have two giant holes at the guard position and $11.5 million to deal with it. Maybe you can do something with that. But of course, there is the trade option because, you know, I, I don't want to lose Riley Reef. But when you start talking about trade now, is it are you selling Riley Reef and getting assets that are equal to or greater than him in value? Then it becomes a different thing, right? Like, I, I, I love players like Adam Thielen. But if you give me two first round picks, you can have Adam Thielen because two first round picks I would love even more. So, you know, you wouldn't trade him punitively or anything like that or just to get rid of the contract or anything. But hey, who needs a really good left tackle? We have one. He's on a one year deal. You get to negotiate with him. You could probably do some extensions and hey, we still even take $2 million of that cap hit that we're paying because there's that uh, that signing bonus that we can't actually confer onto the receiving team. So you could maybe find a, a trade like that. Now, I, I in terms of what the compensation would be, that's obviously difficult to figure out because the, the market is very limited in terms of how often these like straight up player trades actually happen. But look at the Trent Williams trade, right? He was a, a good left tackle, better left tackle than Riley Reef, I think, inarguably, but also had been holding out. So he was out of football for a year. He's a little older. There's some injury history. So all of those factors you could kind of say would deflate his value to the point where it probably would be close to comparable. So he went for a third and a fifth. He also went during draft weekend, during a context where teams who were maybe planning to address their tackle problem in the draft had kind of lost out on that opportunity to. That's where San Francisco was at. The Vikings had picked their tackle. The Browns had picked a tackle. The Bucks 
picked a tackle, the the Jets picked a tackle. So all of those places where Trent Williams could have possibly ended up had picked their tackle, and San Francisco was going, oh no, there's no tackles left on the board. They didn't have anybody that they ended up being happy with. So in that kind of panicky moment, you might have been able to leverage, a, like uh, Washington might have been able to leverage a little bit more, and might have been able to leverage a little bit more out of Trent Williams's camp, because it's like, hey, you either have to kind of take this trade or you're SOL, because everybody else got their tackles. And that might have you know, kind of grease the wheels a little bit and the Vikings might not have access to that sort of factor. So again, really hard to project, but that situation for all it was ended up being a third round pick and a fifth round pick. I would say that the Vikings get a third round pick for Riley Reef, and that's a trade I probably take. If that third round pick ends up netting you a, a guard that ends up starting, then you kind of figured it out, right? And you saved a bunch of money in the process. You can use the, the money that you saved to maybe go get another guard in the future. I think you can make that work where you come out ahead in a deal like that. But if you do cut him or trade him, now you have to move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle. And I think the bigger burning question here is, does that even work? So that's what we're going to spend the rest of the show kind of talking about. But first, I want you all to get ahead of it because tax season is coming up. And TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. And on top of all of that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing, you want a little reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you've transitioned to self-employment like so many people have during 2020, and you want to make sure that you have everything good to go so you don't get in any trouble and so you don't end up overpaying in taxes and missing out on some savings. No matter what your situation is, Turbo TurboTax Live experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your return before you file, or just do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. Betting on the NFL does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. So like I promised in the beginning of the show, I spent all day watching Ezra Cleveland tape. I, I, not all day. I watched a couple of games of Ezra Cleveland tape. Tape. I, I watched all that tape over the season, so I refreshed myself on a couple of the extreme games. His best game, one of the better games we've seen from a lineman in uh, Minnesota for a while, came against Green Bay in Lambeau. You might remember one of his worst games came in Soldier Field against the Chicago Bears and specifically Akeem Hicks. So I kind of wanted to watch some of the good, some of the bad, and kind of re-refreshing myself with some of his tendencies. And kind of here's what I come out of that and, of course, watching him over the course of the season, just in general, watching all of the tape from the Vikings. Here, here's what I think we, we're at with Ezra Cleveland. The biggest thing that pops off the tape that makes Ezra Cleveland unique as an offensive lineman is that he is so light on his feet. And in some good ways and some bad ways, but in mostly the good way of saying that, he, is, he moves so well. And he did that at Boise State. I think that's what attracted the Vikings to him in the first place, and that definitely has translated. He can really go get to a spot. Now, he sometimes has some problems hitting that landmark accurately, uh, and sometimes, you know, he'll he'll run a little bit too far off to the side, or, or he'll kind of uh, run a step too far, or not a step not far enough, and that's sort of a 
that that's some rookie stuff. And that also isn't really unique to guard or tackle. Um, that's a struggle that rookies would have kind of either way. And it's something that they'd ask him to do either way. So that doesn't really put a point in the, in the guard column or in the tackle column, but it is something that he will have to work on to, to, to get better at like second level blocking. But on the whole, he's pretty good at it. Um, and honestly, I think his athleticism in terms of strength is also very good. He ranked in the 90th percentile in broad jumps at the combine, 75th percentile in vertical jumps. That's where power comes from. And I think you do see that power on tape, especially in that Packers game. But surprisingly, you see that power sometimes going up against Akeem Hicks. He really held his own in times where they both met each other head on, you know, with, with decent leverage and everybody did their technique, right? And it just really truly came down to raw power. Hour, I think Ezra Cleveland held his own against Akeem Hicks in just that kind of raw strength thing. Now, what happens is sometimes his pads get a little high on him. Sometimes he's a little bit slow to get into his stances and stuff, which we'll talk about in just into a second. And so that will there are technique issues, I guess, to say it more generally. There are technique reasons that he will kind of get blown back off the ball by a good defensive lineman. But a lot of that has to do with. I would say quickness in getting set up and not necessarily raw strength or ability. It's it's a leverage game in offensive line. All of these guys are ridiculously superhuman strong men, um, but it, it comes down to leverage and technique and, you know, kind of wrestling concepts almost for who actually gets the win here. You can be 50 pounds lighter and weaker than the guy across from you, but if you win the leverage battle, you'll win the rep. So I think really looking at the problems that Ezra Cleveland has and asking yourself, does moving to tackle help with these problems is the way to kind of approach this question. And I think the answer to that is a strong enough yes that makes me feel like Ezra Cleveland going back to tackle would probably be better for his skill set. And this is a question that happens all the time. Should Ezra Cleveland move back to tackle? I think yes. And here's kind of why. For one, he has a an oversetting problem. And this is has a lot to do with his pass protection, where, listen, at guard, it's kind of a phone booth, right? There is not a lot of space to your left or to your right. So when you are setting up to the like left or right or to inside or outside, you don't have to set very far, but he sets like a tackle where, you know, you're trying to cover a lot of ground and you can still kind of see that habit from being a tackle sort of take over where he's trying to cover a lot of grass, right? When you're going up against an edge rusher at tackle, they're going to try to speed rush up field past you and you need to get a huge kick step and cover a whole bunch of ground. At guard, you don't necessarily need to do that, but you still kind of see somebody who's been kick-stepping his whole life, set up his house. I, I call it like build your house is the way you kind of get into your stance, get yourself squatting, get your feet set the right way, get your hands up. Building your house is the way I've seen it uh, said, that the process of kind of building your house, I kind of like that. And he builds his house very slowly, and a lot of times he builds it too far to one side, and then it's really easy to beat him to the other side. And sometimes he's just gullible. This is how Akeem Hicks got him a couple times in that Bears game in Soldier Field, where uh, he would just, Akeem Hicks would like take one or two steps all the way to one side, and Ezra Cleveland would kind of get baited into going so far to that, I mean, he'd run into Brian O'Neill. He would get so far to that side, and then he'd give up all this space, huge gap to the inside, and, and Akeem Hicks would be able to kind of cut back and, you know, he got got. Um, but that's not, a, again, that's not a physical thing. That's not a physical ability thing. If anything, my thing with Ezra Cleveland is that he's been using his physical ability too much and he needs to kind of keep it under a little bit more control. 
at tackle, it asks for more of that physical ability. So instead of saying, learn how to get it under control, put him in a situation where he doesn't have to. That, I think, is, is the crux of my argument for why moving him back to tackle would result in better play. And I think another big part of this is when you are oversetting like that, you're also setting slowly because you have ground to cover. You're making so much work for yourself that you can't exactly get your house built in an instant. So sometimes his hands will be kind of slow because at tackle, you're used to kind of timing a punch with an edge rusher and trying to figure out when that edge rusher plans to actually make contact with you and timing your punch accordingly. With a guard, that guy's coming at you as fast as he possibly freaking can. And so you're not timing any punches. You're just trying to get a punch out as quick as possible. It's a different skill set. And Ezra Cleveland's a little bit slow about that. So sometimes he'll get caught with no hand technique, he'll get caught kind of in the middle of setting up and he'll have to accept contact before he's ready to accept contact. All of these things could be solved by moving him back to left tackle where he belongs and where he is most comfortable. He also has a big problem with screens. He's very late to get to his spot on a screen when he needs to be one of the actual screen blockers. He'll kind of feign pass protection for a step or two too long, and then suddenly he's behind everybody else, and it ruins the whole timing, the whole spacing of the play. You ask that of your guards more often than you ask that of your tackles. I think that would be helpful, although it's pretty small potatoes. So you may notice that my opinions are in a little bit of conflict here. I think the best move is to keep Riley Reef, and the best move is also to move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle. I want them both at left tackle. What do we do about that? So we're going to try to talk this out and reconcile it. But first, I want to make sure that you are all staying safe. And in the winter, that means taking care of your car, making sure you're up to date on your oil, making sure your windshield wiper fluid is topped off, making sure you're putting the right gas in it and stuff, but sometimes problems arise, and sometimes you can't get that car into a mechanic. You're not exactly going to get out and push when it's in the dead of winter, so maybe you need to get some parts delivered to your door, and that is where Rock Auto can come in handy. And they have an awesome catalog that's easy to navigate. You can just enter your make, your model, and your year. Even if you don't have that, they can still help you out, and it'll point you to a version of that part, a brand and, a, and model and stuff of that part that fits your car. And they do all that work and research for you so you don't have to worry about it. And plus, you can save a pretty penny when compared to brick and mortar auto part store. So head on over to rockauto.com. And in the how you heard about a section at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, I'm going to have to learn how to make moonshine and hope that prohibition comes back. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The divisional playoffs are coming up. Divisional round, it's maybe the best weekend in sports because this is when you get to watch Patrick Mahomes. You get to watch Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. Just like crazy fun offenses. You get to watch legends like Breeze and Brady go up against each other, and we are all blessed because we get to gamble on it. And if you think you know what's going to happen in these games, you want to lay down a buck or two, put your money where your mouth is, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So let's try to reconcile 
the uh the the takes here so my my i have two takes on these separate issues and what's difficult is that they don't go together my take on riley reef is that it is best to keep him in the organization i think he is worth some amount of money i think it's pretty easy to mitigate that cap hit with clever accounting and or extensions and negotiating things um and, and i think on the whole he would outplay the contract he would end up on if you do this right and i don't think it's hard to do this right but on the other hand, I think Ezra Cleveland at right guard wastes a few of his talents. I think he's better at, at defending a large space and not so much in the very quick fight in a phone booth uh, type of thing you get on the interior and in pass protection in run blocking tackles and guards tend to both need to do a lot of the same things. Um, I, I don't think it's as different of a skill set that it requires. It's just a different assignment depending on like what the play is and how often you're asking one person to do another thing. So in run blocking, I think as long as Ezra Cleveland's somewhere on the starting line, I think it's a good idea. If you had Riley Reef at left tackle and Cleveland at left guard, I think that would be fine. I think if you swapped the two, that would also be fine, but then you'd be paying out the nose for a guard and and that would kind of feel inefficient. So it's weird. Like, I kind of want both of them. I think it would be justifiable for both of them to be your left tackle, but obviously the Vikings can't do that. So I guess we have to figure out how to reconcile this. And this is why I think trading Riley Reef might be the best option, because you aren't just hemorrhaging out an asset, right? You aren't just getting rid of an asset and not getting anything back for it, but you just aren't paying the guy what you had promised to pay him, which I guess gets you back cap space. But really, you're not getting anything because you had only planned to spend that cap space, that 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 money, right? You're not actually getting a thing in return you didn't have before. If you trade him, you're getting a draft pick or maybe a player or whatever. And I'm pretty sure the idea of trading Riley Reef has kind of crossed the organization's mind before. I think the problem is if you go out and say, hey, 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 we got this player. Anybody want to buy? Anybody want to buy? Anybody want to buy? It kind of tips your hand that you want to get rid of him and you end up deflating your own value. It's a very difficult uh environment to like negotiate a trade in but i think that would be the optimal thing is trading riley reef away you save all that money you get a draft pick in return and then you have 11.5 million and whatever draft picks you got back you have a uh, the tackle spots are totally solved, and not only that, but you have Rashad Hill and Oli Udo. If you want to use some of that money to extend Rashad Hill and you have Oli Udo, you have a tackle room that is solved, and you have some level of draft capital and whatever's left over from that money after extending Rashad Hill to deal with your guard situation, and I think that is plenty uh, of resources to get your guard situation kind of squared away. Um, I, I don't foresee it being any more expensive than that, and I, I think that is where I land on this as the best possible option. But I do also acknowledge that you can't just trade, let me find a trade and go to the trade tree and find a trade where they grow trades. Like that's not, a, that's easier said than done. And you need somebody who both wants a tackle, who is on the wrong side of 30, who would be kind of expensive and would be willing to give up draft capital for it. Um, that's obviously going to be a more difficult ask. So if the Vikings don't trade them, I don't necessarily think it would be because they didn't choose to trade them. It would be because they couldn't find a partner at the right price, right? You don't want to just offload Riley Reed for a seventh round pick. Now, a lot of the, the points that you make do, don't make sense. A lot of the draw of trading away Riley Reef is getting more draft picks. It, it kind of reminds me of, of when Bill Belichick made the trade to the Colts for Jacoby Brissett. If you remember, Brissett was the third string quarterback for the Patriots the year Tom Brady was suspended. Um, and he played a couple games. He looked pretty good. And I think like it was the next year that they traded Jacoby Brissett to the Colts for wide receiver Philip Dorsett. And somebody asked him, hey, why'd you trade away Jacoby Brissett? I thought he was doing well. 
And, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah, right. Why'd you get rid of him? Why'd you offload him? And he said, well, to acquire Philip Dorsett. And it's like, because I got something back, right? Like, it's so simple and so easy. But I thought that that quote has always stuck in my mind. And I think that's how this would have to be approached. You aren't necessarily trying to get rid of Riley Reef, a player that doesn't necessarily deserve to be offloaded to the you know nearest bidder, but more so to liquidate him, to turn him into draft assets that then could replace uh, that quality, that that value, but put it at a position where there is no longer this strange redundancy, where the Vikings now have two players who are optimally put at the same position and very, very suboptimally put elsewhere. There is also, of course, the idea of, of moving Riley Reef into guard. But again, like I said before, that is a, a little inefficient. You'd be overpaying at guard quite a bit, and that probably shouldn't be plan A. Now, listen, if you get Cleveland and Riley Reef in the building, you've paid them all, you've, they've all agreed to their contracts, everything is there, you're in training camp, and Mike Zimmer goes, or, you know, the O-line coach or whatever, whoever's in charge of the decision goes, no, I think Riley Reef's best at left guard and Ezra Cleveland's best at left tackle. You're not going to go in and say, no, 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 don't do that because we're paying Riley Reef too much, right? That would be insane. But you probably don't want that to be plan A. You would want a more efficient way to distribute your resources. But I do think if it does come to a situation where both of those guys are in the building, which again, isn't the worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is cutting Riley Reef and getting nothing back then I'd be open to entertaining the idea of after that has transpired, ah, we didn't find a trade partner, he didn't agree to any pay cuts or anything like that, and I and we don't want to cut him, let's try moving him to guard and at least, you know, having one of those positions filled by one of these guys, and maybe he can adapt to those factors at guard of needing to build your house a little quicker, needing to not overset as much, maybe he can handle those ideas a little bit better than Ezra Cleveland can, and we can put Ezra Cleveland where we know he'll excel. I would be open to that idea if, you know, kind of plan A and plan B didn't work out. And the last thing I'll say is a lot of people say, well, just ask him to take a pay cut. He doesn't have any leverage. He has all the leverage in the world. He would get a good free agency deal. And also the Vikings asked him to take a pay cut like five months ago. So I don't think asking him to take a second one like right away is a great idea just from a like optics standpoint because all your players will understand that and players around the league will also know that and eventually you get if you if you make decisions like that kind of repeatedly and sustainably you get to a point where players don't want to play in Minnesota because they know that Minnesota is going to try to fleece them on their contract thing and you end up having to pay them extra money to convince them to play for your trash organization this is the the situation the Jets are dealing with situation that that like Washington deals with right you don't want to uh move the needle toward the, those organizations the Vikings typically don't do that, though, so I, I would be surprised if they went and asked Riley Reef to take yet another pay cut. If they're just trying to make cap space, they've got a lot of contracts, a lot of salary that could be turned into signing bonus that could maybe uh, re re reduce the, the salary cap burden in 2020, and then they can move forward from there. So that's where I fall on that. I think there's a lot of options. I think most of them are at least justifiable. I've got my favorites. I've got my least favorites. But what do you think? Uh, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Tomorrow, there is a very special guest coming in that's going to shed a little bit of light on some of the things that I haven't been able to answer very well that I've kind of been waiting for, for somebody to help me out with that. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. It's not crossover Thursday. It's somebody from Viking land. Uh, but I kind of want to just leave it at that. Leave it as a little tease. I'll see you all with that tomorrow. And as always, Skull.